0: Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent
1: business. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. I'm excited to bring you today's episode. I have Ricky Shetty from DigitalNomadMastery.com. He also runs DaddyBlogger.com, which is a very successful parenting blog for dads. He's a number of different businesses when, in terms of revenue streams. So he has Amazon books, Kindle books. He does coaching, um, has affiliate revenue. So. He's a very exciting person to bring on to the show. He's also an avid podcaster and content creator with over 500 episodes on his Digital Nomad Mastery podcast, and he's very much an advocate of getting things up onto YouTube, and we recorded our own live episode after this one. So if you want to check that out, you can head over to his show after listening to this episode. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Ricky?
0: I'm doing amazing, Adam. Uh, super excited to talk about the whole topic of digital nomadism. I do, do feel it's a big trend and a boom within the internet marketing and just uh, the business entrepreneurial space generally. So super excited to connect with you and chat all about how to become a digital nomad.
1: Thank you very much. So uh, right now you're based, you're over in Manila in the Philippines, but previous to this, you've spent quite a bit of time on the road traveling over the last number of months. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'm actually originally from Vancouver, BC, Canada. That's where I was born, raised. I met my wife there. We had three kids there. And then uh, we ended up leaving it all behind. We had a comfortable life in the suburbs and uh, we left it uh, to travel and to explore the world and especially to show our kids. Uh, so we've been traveling nomadically for over a year and a half now. Uh, we started, uh, you know, by leaving Vancouver. Uh, we traveled through Asia, the Middle East, uh, parts of Africa. Then we focused a lot on Central and South America. That was an area of the world I hadn't explored and neither had my wife and, of course, neither had our kids. Uh, so we actually spent about close to a year just in South and Central America. We visited every single country in South America. There's 12 So we did 12 out of 12, and then we did every single country in Central America. There's eight, so we did eight out of eight. So I've actually done every single country in continental America from Alaska to Argentina. And uh, now we've actually come over here to the Philippines, where my wife's parents live, and we're going to base ourselves here for the next few months, and then we're going to set off again. So we do a little bit of a fusion between fast travel, slow travel, setting up bases in different parts of the world. And... uh, Just seeing this amazing world that we all live in, not just by being tourists, but of course, by living there. It's great that
1: you get to show your kids that too, you know. It's inspiring, you know, it's inspiring to go around. A lot of people feel like when they have children that they can't, uh, you know, live that sort of lifestyle. You know, it's good to bring somebody on who, you know, is not just a single 20-something and is actually, you know, a family man and and brings the children along for the ride. So um, let's wind it back a little bit and talk about, you know, what... um, you know, why did you start to work online? You know, what did you do beforehand, and, and how did that um, you know transition happen in your life?
0: Yeah, of course, Adam. Uh, so back in Vancouver, my hometown, I was an event producer. Uh, so I'd be organizing uh, small events, workshops, the one-day workshops, and I would do bigger conferences like multi-day, multi-speaker conferences, and um, of course, event production. Isn't very location independent unless you're doing retreats and uh, conferences around the world. Uh, but for me, I was localized, so I was doing them um, in a city and in a venue um, for people who are mostly in British Columbia, Vancouver. Um, so what ended up happening is that I was all, at the time I was doing event production, I was already doing internet marketing. I, I, w- I had my blog, I had my YouTube channel. I was doing private coaching, and around the time that my wife was pregnant with baby number three was when I started feeling the sense of discontent. Um, I was living in the suburbs. I'd become very much a domesticated, suburbanized dad, and I started talking to my wife. I was like, hey, honey, you know, um, would you be open to traveling the world with our kids? And uh, my wife's like, yeah, of course. You mean like a two-week getaway to Mexico or Cancun, right? <laughs> And I was like, well, maybe a little bit longer, <laughs> maybe more like six months to a year. And then uh, she's like, what? What do you mean like six months to a year? And you know, after some back in sports, um, she and me, we came to the conclusion, like let's do this as a test. Um, we'll, we'll try it out. And if, if she doesn't like it, if I don't like it, if the kids don't like it, if we as a family unit don't like it, we can always return back to the safety and security of Vancouver. Um, so we did the test during her math leave. And for those of you listeners who don't know, Canada is amazing in the sense that uh, we get one year paid maternity leave. Uh, maternity or paternity. Well, in this case, my, my wife was working in a corporate job, uh, Best Buy Canada, and I was working online and I was an entrepreneur with event production. So what happened is like uh, we made this decision during her math leave to travel. And again, if we didn't like it, we would come back. But we did like it and we loved it. And, uh, um, you know, like we'll probably talk about in the show about some of the struggles and challenges nomads face and that we have faced and we continue to face. Wi-Fi, of, of course, is not one of the big ones. Uh, but we uh, loved it to the point that we did not want to go back and live the normal suburban life in Vancouver. We wanted to set up bases and try living in Asia like we are now and uh, lived in South America like we did last year. And our goal is to actually do Africa in 2019. So we want to, um, you know, live and... Um, integrate into the local communities, the cultures, the continents that we're visiting. So we're not just visitors, we become kind of semi-expats, not like expats for the rest of our lives, but like expats for six months and base ourselves in different parts. So that's a little bit of the backstory of how we got started. And in terms of my personal business, uh, internet marketing, so it's uh, private coaching, I'm doing mastermind groups, I'm doing online courses, Kindle books, uh, blogging, social media, podcasting, YouTube ad revenue, virtual summits. Uh, So it's very much a fusion, uh, multiple streams of income approach. And I I do believe that a lot of nomads um, should. And um, I I would recommend nomads follow this multiple streams of income approach just because, you know, sometimes uh, you'll be doing online uh, coaching and you might not have that many clients. You need to have a backup, like maybe you're doing sponsored posts well, you need to have a backup and maybe doing YouTube ad revenue, but the YouTube ad revenue isn't enough, right? So if you have a fusion approach of multiple streams of income coming from different places, uh, you're going to be much more stable than if you're relying on one source of income. And I know, Adam, you have a different model where you're actually working for a company and they allow you to work remotely. And that's even a stronger model in the sense that you have that stable, secure, consistent, reliable income. So there's so many models and I happen uh, to follow this multiple streams of income model.
1: Oh, I totally agree that that is the most, one of the most important ways that when I was living in um, Thailand and we came back to have Edward' daughter and um, there was two big Google updates and a lot of the clients who I worked for providing at the time we were running a content business so you know writing articles and we're doing SEO and uh, blogger outreach for link placements things like that and uh, yeah within one month pretty much like it you know that whole well dried up and nothing that we did wrong like our, you know there was nothing wrong with the work we were providing it was just that Google had done these two big updates a number of people who were relying on these services uh, no longer needed them because the websites they were using them on got hit and yeah I mean you You were just kind of, it puts you in a bad position because you're on the defensive then, you know, and and you're probably taking on, you can take on work. Maybe you wouldn't otherwise do, or, you know, maybe you you price uh, out of desperation because you need, you know, you need, you need cash flow in. and, um, And this has been discussed on previous episodes. You know, it's really important to make sure that when, when you're, making your money, especially if you're traveling and, and, you know, doing remote work and the freelancer thing to make sure that you're keeping that, a rainy day stash, but also like a hundred percent diversify your income and move into other areas, which is primarily usually the affiliate model or, or like you're saying, doing something like YouTube ad revenue. And, you know, can we talk a little bit about when you, when you first left and when you started? Cause I mean, right now you've got a, you know, what I would call like a, like it was a brilliant model. You know, you've got it, you got coaching, masterminds, Udemy, you got your, you know, YouTube podcast and then you got virtual summits but when you started when you first left like what did that look like then were you did you go straight to coaching or did you like have a services based business because i feel like you know a lot of yours are a one-to-many model which is a f- fabulous model in that you know you're not just working one-on-one with people outside of the the, the private coaching let's say you know you, you're not like servicing clients like a web designer or, or a graphic designer um, you know when you left originally like what what did that look like for you
0: Yeah. So uh, I believe uh, what people should follow is the quickest way to the most cash. Um, So that depends for each person, right? So I look at it this way. When we left, um, I was already generating a part-time income through uh, my blog, through getting sponsored, uh, through my YouTube ad revenue, et cetera. And I was doing some uh, private coaching, but I hadn't uh, treated that as a priority. So I, I shifted focus to the degree where I was not uh, doing uh, blogging full time like I was already generating a part time income from it. But I was like, if I try to uh, generate a full time income with blogging, how long will it take me to get the, the most amount of cash, the quickest amount to the most cash? So I knew just from experience and talking to bloggers and knowing the industry that it would take longer to get a lot of cash as a blogger. Uh, whereas coaching, I knew that uh, just, again, through studying the industry and talking to people, I could get more cash at a quicker pace just by doing strategy sessions and um, adding value to people. And then when you do your free calls, people will see the value. And if they feel it's a good fit, they'll hire you for private coaching. So literally, I can do like five, ten um coaching calls this week. And by next week, I'll probably if I do 10 calls, I'll probably have one, two or more clients, depending on how good I am. Uh, You know, the better you are, you could probably get more. Uh, So I looked at it like, okay, I need to um, get more money. Because just through, uh, like, we had savings, obviously, we sold a lot of stuff, we were uh, getting uh, my wife's monthly pay, and then we were getting my uh, part time internet marketing income. So I was like, if we do this on these income streams alone, we're going to quickly run out of money. Then we're going to end up broke and uh, head back to Vancouver. So instead of relying on savings and um, you know kind of um, variable income, we I decided to be very intentional and focused about getting coaching clients. So um, I just started putting out there I'm a coach, and then I would uh, um, get onto media interviews. And again, I'm a coach, and I offer free sessions. And I would just reach out to my friends, and I'd be like, hey. You know, I'm willing to coach you. I just want to get experience and uh, uh, testimonies and case studies. And the more I did it, I personally started getting confident. And I was like, man, I'm good at this. Because uh, like when I first started coaching and, you know, some of your listeners might feel, how can I be a coach? And I'm not qualified. And why would someone hire me for coaching, right? You might have that little voice in your head saying those things. And I did have that voice. And even now I do have the voice at times too. Uh, We all have that voice of uh, the inner critic, um, so to speak. So you ha- I had to defeat that inner critic by practice. And the more I practiced, the more confident I became. So now I can easily have a strategy session and uh, uh, show so much value that people will be like, man, this guy's good. I want to hire him, right? So I've got to the point where I'm very confident in what I do in terms of the value I provide and in terms of the uh, results I've got of a client. So the beginning was like uh, going back to that decision that I need to make money quick and um, enough that I can support my family. Um, so, and then maybe doing a, like a side hustle thing, right? So, if you're working a 95 job, maybe start coaching as a side hustle, and then build it up into uh, from a part time to full time income. So, hopefully that helps any aspiring business uh, nomads out there.
1: When you approach doing the coaching, I guess a lot of people can get caught up in the, um, what would be the word, busy work. You know, like a lot of people can get caught up, you know, doing their logos and doing their websites and then they have to have their social media all perfect and polished and lived in. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of procrastination that can go into, uh, you know, be starting your online business or, you know, putting yourself out there in a lot of cases, I think sometimes. So, um, you know, when when you approached all this, you know, do you feel like in hindsight now, you know, you. That, um, you know, you just pull the trigger and took action and, and figure that stuff out as you went along? Or, you know, did you find yourself delaying and procrastinating on, on these things that can seem, uh, you know, they're not necessarily important. You know, what's important is getting people on the phone <laughs> in your instance. So what's your thoughts on that?
0: My thoughts on that are exactly what you just said. It's more important to get people on the phone, um, do the sessions, and then get the clients. You don't necessarily need a website for that. Uh, You can just post on your social media like, hey, I'm looking to getting some coaching clients. Um, I want to get some experience. I'm willing to do some calls for free. And really, that's what I did. I was just like I did free calls at the beginning because I just wanted experience and um, uh, build up my confidence. And then, you know, you might start at a lower price point, like 50 bucks an hour, 80 bucks an hour, go to 100, go to a couple hundred. And then you go from sessions to more like programs, like three months, six months. And then you might want to go from like a lower price point to like a high ticket uh, coaching program. Um, So in terms of like uh, what you mentioned about things like procrastination, you know, at the end of the day, we're humans. We struggle with the inner critic I talked about. We struggle with the procrastination as well. Um, so, and we also struggle with the things we're not good at, our weaknesses. So, I ended up um, outsource. I actually outsource a lot of the stuff, like uh, especially the admin or the graphics, the website, the editing stuff that I'm not good at. I outsource them um, to. I have a team in Venezuela. Uh, I have some people in India and here in the Philippines that can do these things. Um, so, I outsource a lot of that stuff. And in terms of procrastination, I find uh, like when I'm doing things like. Uh, Kindle books, like I have like seven books. Uh, How did I write seven books in seven months about the seven continents? Well, I put it on social media. I just say, hey guys, I'm gonna publish my book on Father's Day of 20." 19, 18, right? So because I put it out there, I'm accountable to meeting my goal. So that's a little bit of how I overcome procrastination. Of course, um, having a coach yourself or having accountability partner, a mastermind group, those are all some great ways to overcome the procrastination within us. Uh, putting stuff in your calendar as a non-negotiable, uh, that's also important. So those are some tips in terms of how I've been able to overcome my own a de- a desire to just be lazy and procrastinate.
1: Oh, I feel you. I mean, having a having a business coach is, is is very important. I mean, look, I know not everybody's going to have one, but it, it's it's even just having those accountability partners is extremely important. I feel because it's too easy, it's too easy to just put things off. And you know, sometimes you don't hold yourself accountable. And you, you know, while you might work your ass off and stay up late and get up early and do all these things for, let's say, client work, oftentimes you know you leave your own stuff sitting there and not work on it because you're like, oh, I'm too tired after doing all the client work and. You know, when you have your business coach or, or um, somebody mentoring you, obviously, you know, those are the people who, when you're showing up every week and you're like, come on, we talked about that sales page and it's still not done. What's going on? <laughs> it's, you know, they hold you accountable. And, um, you know, I, I feel like um, it helps. You know, it helps a lot of people. And um, so you, you hit there on a little bit around uh, growing and scaling teams. So, you know, did it take you long to? realized that you were going to you know you needed some help uh, with all of this like you know at what point do you feel that you know from when you left you started doing your coaching you were building up your portfolio you know you're were, you were doing these things to help generate the generate leads and generate social proof you know at what point did you start looking to outsource or did you feel yeah i'll, I'll leave it there i guess
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, in terms of my personal shift, so I went from like working corporate to working as an entrepreneur uh, to becoming a digital nomad. So that shift from employee to entrepreneur to digital nomad, um, that was a long journey and a lot of struggles and challenges and difficulties, especially financially. So when I shifted to be an entrepreneur, I was very much the solopreneur. Um, that's the term a lot of people use. Solopreneur, solo entrepreneur, solo business owner. And when you use that term, it means you're doing everything yourself. You have your multiple hats. You got your admin hat, you got your accounting hat, you got your marketing hat, you got your sales hat. You got um, you got like branding hat, etc, right? So what you need to do as a solopreneur is start handing those hats off to people who are better at you. Like, I'm not highly skilled at admin or accounting. I'm not highly skilled at uh, website design or graphic design or video editing or audio editing. So instead of me spending a lot of time and effort figuring out how to design a website, figuring out how to do social media graphics to Canva, uh, figuring out audio editing, Um, through GarageBand or something like that, I could obviously spend time and watch videos and learn. But instead of doing that, I started delegating. And um, a lot of people might say I don't have money to delegate. Um, So there's a few ways around that. What you can do is uh, trade or barter model. Uh, so, for me, because I was good at like uh, coaching, I would trade my coaching for someone's video editing, for example, or uh, they would write, uh, they would design logos and websites and graphics for me, and then I would write a blog post about them, or we would do a barter or exchange. And that helped for, by me not having to pay directly cash in it. And they didn't have to pay me. So it was very much a fair value for value. Um, so that would be my suggestion if you don't have uh, the money to hire someone. And then my other big suggestion, if you don't have my, uh, money to hire a local in a Western country, is to outsource. And, of course, outsource has a point of contention. A lot of people be like, oh, you know, why are you giving all the jobs to someone Overseas, well, <laughs> if you're using a smartphone or a laptop, you're already outsourcing, right, to some degree. Indirectly, you're outsourcing. Uh, the technology we're using now, it's been outsourced, right? Um, so in terms of your own personal business, I really feel outsourcing to, um, you know, quote, unquote, cheaper part of the world like Asia, uh, you know, Philippines, India. Obviously, there's a two big outsourcing hubs. It, it, it does a few things. Firstly, it allows you to get cheaper work done, uh, same quality, just lower price. It also um, uh, gives the opportunity for the wealth to be transferred from the rich to the poor, quote unquote, right? Um, so really the transfer of wealth and the equalization of societies between rich and poor. So I really think it's a good model, the outsourcing model. And I really believe we're moving that direction when they won't be a differential. It'll be just like everyone outsources and every company already outsources. So it's us entrepreneurs who have to catch up to the model that already works in business today.
1: I mean, I've been a big advocate. My podcast is edited, social media is out for clients, done via either. You know, uh, um, outsourcing is very important. <laughs> you can't get caught down because, I mean, there's a book, what is it, the E-Myth Revisited, you know, I think it's a fabulous book. If people haven't read it, I highly recommend you read it. And it describes uh, the technician, the manager, and, and the business owner and how if you're always the technician, as in you are always the one in the website, doing the edits, doing the admin, writing the posts for social, like you're talking about, you can't evolve to be in the manager or the business owner, because you'll always be down in the trenches doing, doing the work, you know, the work that needs to be done. And you, you don't get out of there to free up your, your time and, and your, your effort into the more higher level things that can move the business forward. Maybe that sales or, you know, something like that, where you, you might actually grow. If you're constantly stuck in the, the model of technician doing the work, just, it's very difficult to grow. It's, that's where it happens. I love the barter model too, to be honest with you. I mean, in thinking about it, I've done it, but I hadn't thought of it as a like a method of exchange. If you understand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I think it's um, it's a fabulous business model to if you're starting out and like you're saying, if you have a skill and you can you can trade it and you know to get the ball rolling on things, I think it's a, a very clever way to position yourself. Yes. So speak. So speaking of social media and all these things, so what do you feel? Looking back now over the last year and a half, you know, what do you feel? Which social media platform has been the most beneficial for your business in helping grow your following and drive traffic to your?
0: You know, the honest answer to that, it hasn't been just one. Um, so it has been, it has actually been a combination of all of these different uh, modalities together that has helped me become a successful social media influencer. So let me kind of explain and elaborate what that means. Uh, So because I'm doing blogging. Um, because I'm doing social media, because I'm doing podcasting, and I'm doing YouTube, I'm actually reaching different types of people with different learning modalities. So some people love to read. Well, I have daddyblogger.com. Some people love to listen to podcasts. Well, I have digitalnomadmastery.com. And then um, some people love to watch videos. Well, I have my YouTube channel. And then I'm also quite active on social media. So I'm active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I do have LinkedIn and Snapchat and Google Plus and Pinterest and all the other platforms, but I've chosen to focus uh, predominantly on those three: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, but what my uh, suggestion here is that uh, I, I, I look at it, the term is like flooding the internet. So flooding the internet means you want to be uh, effective, efficient, and um, productive in in terms of uh, social media, blogging, podcasting, YouTube, and not taking a lot of time. So a lot of people make this false assumption that, okay, if I'm on multiple places, it's going to take a lot of my time. Well, there's ways around that. For example, uh, when you're recording a podcast, like what I do is I record my podcast both um, on on Zoom and I record both YouTube and, um, sorry, I record both video and audio. what happens is, Um, I send the video to my uh, outsourcing team, they handle the rest, they basically take the audio file, they put it on iTunes, the video file goes onto YouTube, and then um, I can put another version onto my blog as well. So just through me talking to someone, pushing start, pushing stop, I can have three different modalities covered. My blog, my podcast, my YouTube channel, and content for social media. How easy was that to get all four modalities covered through one interview? Um, so I just wanted to kind of like uh, break the assumption that it takes a lot of time to do blogging, social media, podcasting, YouTube, because that is a myth that's been, you know, that people believe uh, the way I described it. If, if you guys wanted to become podcasters, for example, then just follow the approach to what I was suggesting, you know, record both video and audio, put the video on, on YouTube, put the audio on iTunes, Um Take the audio and uh, transcribe it, um, put the highlights to a blog post and, of course, share those things on social media. And then you're going to reach a whole bunch of people in a whole bunch of different ways. And that's going to allow you to build your platform, your following, and you're going to see which works best. Like if you're finding, okay, I have the video version, but it's not getting a lot of traction on YouTube, then maybe you should focus more on just the audio version. Or if you're putting it on to blog and it's blowing up on the blog because you're getting um, Google ranking because you have all these blogs coming out regularly, um, then do that. Or if you're finding not a lot of people listen on, on iTunes or YouTube or my blog. But the, but most people actually engaging directly on my Facebook page or group or profile, then put your energy, focus and time there. So there is a strategy in terms of like how to create content and how to promote content, how to publish content and how to monetize the content. So all these things actually drive money back into your business.
1: Yeah, it's a, I love your omni-channel approach. I feel that I've been given a kick up the arse there that I use. You're not the first person. My business coach is always on to me that I don't do enough video. Uh, I don't even know what it is. I just, uh, I suppose, like like a lot of people, you you're just shy of putting yourself. The first step was to record audio, <laughs> and the next step was to do videos. Like it's it's a powerful approach, and it, it's about having that team there. I, I 100% agree with you that. Um, Uh, Like building and running a podcast, just to hit on that a little bit, because I'm literally in the, you know, early stages of such a thing. So, I mean, this is episode seven of the podcast. Um, I launched with the idea of doing one a week and quickly realized that. Having a podcast that has a guest-based uh, focus is a lot more work than I anticipated, and you know, in a lot of ways, you're you're relying on other people's schedules. Things can get cancelled. You know, Wi-Fi issues can come up, and it's um, you really need to either set time block heavily and book multiple shows on on one day, or else it'll just start frustrating you you know, with um, and you're putting yourself under all this pressure um. that's, I mean, it's warranted if, if you feel it is, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not something I wanted, like, I want to enjoy this. I enjoy talking to you. I enjoyed reading your way. I love what you're doing. And, you know, I want it to be that enjoyable exchange of ideas and of experience, you know, and for those people who are listening so that they can... Listen to what you're doing, you know, a bit of what I've done and, you know, let's see if they can apply some of it to their life and, um, you know, if it helps them in this journey and this path to becoming a digital nomad or to get a remote position in a company or, you know, whatever that is. And um, I feel that. You don't want to apply unnecessary pressure to yourself, but it's definitely a great model to have the team. So just can I just dig into that a little bit more? Do you have one team who manages all of that for you or do you have multiple teams? You know, so like how how does that look in terms of editing the audio, making the video, posting the social media? Is it one team, one company, or is it a series of individuals who are connected to like, let's say, a tra-
0: No, one team, one team, one team. I definitely encourage everyone to create one team in terms of, I call it the power team. So you have a power team of people who can uh, basically uh, eliminate the weaknesses that you have yourself. And it's the same people doing the same tasks. And I'm also recommending them to others. So I have a team that I built up and it's basically uh, right now, uh, most of my team is Venezuela based. Quick little backstory there. I was traveling around South America and um, I was learning Spanish. My Spanish teacher found out I need to, um, you know, get my pub, uh, podcast published. I was working on a kid's book. Uh, I needed some help with my admin, etc. cetera. He's like, well, I can help. My friends and me can help. <laughs> so I was like, okay, uh, you know, what are your rates, et cetera. And then through him, shout out to my buddy Angel, I built up a whole team of outsources who do all of my stuff that I don't like, or don't want, or I'm not skilled at doing myself. So they're the ones doing my websites, like I have a Ricky Shetty website that got launched recently, they did that. Uh, My logos, my daddy blogger playing logo, they did that. All my book graphics, they did that. Uh, My kids book, the Graphics, the layout, the illustrations, the uploading, the Um, formatting—they put all that in Amazon Kindle for me. Um, The the Udemy, the all these courses—I have like twelve of them now. Uh, They do all the editing and uploading onto Udemy. So I literally just show up, record my Udemy courses, um, just do the uh, uh, the basic like uh, content for the books, and then they actually do the kind of the more laborious admin types of stuff, and they're good at that. So. These guys are highly skilled at the stuff I'm not good at. So they're good at video editing. They're good at podcast editing. They're good at graphic designs. They're good at website and logo design. So they're working on their strengths. I'm working on my strengths. And together, we create magic. And we both, uh, you know, like both, I'm saying like the team all um, becomes more... Um, Successful financially, because I'm providing income to them. Um, I'm leveraging my time because I'm not doing all these tasks that drive me crazy. And I have more time to uh, even thinking, uh, thinking time. I need that. I need creative time. I need that. I need, uh, you know, the strategy sessions, the coaching sessions. I can focus that. I need time to market the stuff that they produce, right? Like uh, my podcast, I'm the one marketing it, or my books, I'm the one who's primarily marketing it, right? So they're doing all the kind of the grunt work, and then I do most of the marketing and sales work. So um, the team is uh, one team with multiple people. Yeah, one team with multiple skill sets.
1: It's really powerful to hear that. And it sounds like you've got a good thing built up, but I mean, you're coming with experience, as you mentioned in the corporate world. And I suppose you, you knew this maybe coming into it where a lot of people tend to be a bit green and they, they can be a little bit cautious of, of hiring and outsourcing. So, you know, how do you have a model for how that works or did you just go straight into it? Like, you know, my time is worth, like, let's say $200 an hour. So anything that's, you know, up to, let's say $20 an hour, I really need to outsource. And like, did you kind of go with that mentality or was it just you brought you know, you brought a managerial mindset from from the corporate world and you were just like, all right, I'm not doing this stuff. I
0: <laughs> You know, uh, my corporate world experience wasn't at the managerial level. Like I was working like a bank uh, as a bank teller, right? So I, I was definitely not managerial or like up there in the ranking. I was like low end bank teller, bank teller at corporate, right? So uh, in terms of the actual outsourcing and kind of the realization that I can't do it myself, it was definitely like you mentioned the green approach, like I thought I needed to do everything myself because I thought I couldn't afford to hire others. So I had the problem in my brain or my mind that I can't afford to people people. I got to do it all myself. I thought I was a solopreneur. So just my own thinking was, uh, was uh, holding me back. So I had to break through that thought pattern that, I don't need to do it myself. I don't need to build up my weaknesses. So there was a lot of like uh, inner mindset work, uh, self-improvement, self-development, going to courses, hiring coaches and mentors, joining mastermind groups. That all helped me switch my mindset. And the most important thing that an entrepreneur needs to work on is not branding, not marketing, not sales, but you know it, mindset. It's very important to...
1: <clears throat> I suppose- you' you're constantly evolving and and you have to have a growth mindset too. But like you're saying, you can't be afraid to, you know, outsource these tasks that are taking up your time. But sometimes, you know, it can be, it can mean a commitment that people aren't used to, you know, like maybe people aren't used to paying for it. Like you're saying you know, doing the admin or website and their social media and they hold on to it. And, you know, they feel like oh, I can't do give this away or somebody else can't do it. And um, it's very important in a lot of ways to free that stuff up, unless you're like an Instagram influencer and that's all that you do. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's uh, it, it, if you're if you've got like you've got so many moving parts going on here with the business Um, you know, you really need to have that solid team structure in place. And um, now you hit on uh, something that I wanted to ask you about next was um. You know, did you pay for any mentorship or courses or coaching along the way? I know that in my early days of online marketing and getting into the online world, I definitely bought a couple of courses, some good, some bad. And um, I have a coach at the minute. And yeah, I'm just curious, you know, do you have a coach or a course? And, um, you know, did you pay along the way? At what point did you look, seek that help from somebody who maybe has done it?
0: The answer is yes, 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 yes. Uh, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I okay. uh so the answer is yes to the question, did I and do I have mentorship, courses, and coaches? Um, yes, I, I did and do have mentors. Yes, I did and do, um, do courses. And yes, I did and still do have coaches. Uh, so, let me kind of elaborate on how that looks like. So, at the very beginning, it was very much like trading, bartering, um, you know, trying for the cheapest possible way to get educated, uh, you know, even volunteering. Like, this is a great way actually to uh, get into events. Uh, I couldn't afford to go to a lot of events. And I'm being very real here with the financial side of things because at the beginning, you guys who are listening uh, to the podcast are probably also struggling with the finances. So, be creative, like, barter volunteer so i wanted to go to a lot of events like i wanted to go to workshops conferences um you know like big summits but i couldn't afford to go to all of these uh, without going to massive debt right so what i ended up doing is just contacting the the either the owner or the event organizer or the uh you know someone in marketing and then i'll just say hey um i'm a keener i'd love to volunteer at your event um i'll do whatever it takes uh, you know You know, if it means cleaning toilets, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I didn't actually, I didn't ever have to clean toilets, but I did, I did have to like work in registration. I had to set up chairs. I had to stay behind after everyone left to put, put away the chairs. But the beautiful thing is I got to get a lot of quote unquote free training um, because I got to go into these events um, and I got to listen, observe and um, like just uh, avoid the payment barrier. So I would just say be creative and um, what I found with coaching is like I have a certain skill set in what I coach about so right now I'm coaching people how to become digital nomads how to build up a social media following how to make market and monetize a blog those are kind of the areas I'm coaching on of course there's some incorporation of mindset there and life coaching and uh, you know family coaching etc but it's primarily to do with like business um, coaching so when I'm coaching now um, I still have my weaknesses like for example I right now I, I'm doing a few trades with people um, in coaching so uh, one of them is like my my spiritual faith so like I, I happen to be a Christian and I realized to myself like I'm not being a very good Christian I heard read my bible I'm not really connecting with God on a regular basis so um, there's this Christian life coach and I'm like uh, he wanted to actually start a business so i I'm like, I can teach you how to start a business, but I'm struggling with my spiritual faith. How about we trade? And the guy's like, seriously, you're going to coach me for free? And I'm like, seriously, you're going to help me get stronger relationship with God? And then we're like, boom, let's make it happen, right? So um, we coach each other. And I'll give you another example. So there's a lady. She is actually a super uh, amazing business coach. And um, shout out to her. Her name is Patty Kay. Um, she she teaches something called the U-shaped business, which basically means you don't just create a business that's a cookie cutter, you know, follow all the guru's approach. You, you really figure out the business that's suited for you. So I was like, I need that. I need that. And, I, and she is really good at coaching, but she struggles with marketing and visibility. She's a little bit shyer. So she's like, can you teach me extroversion and marketing? I'm like, yeah. So me and her, we did a trade. And this is happening as we speak. So we have an agreement. We are coaching each other for a month. I do four sessions with her. She does four, four sessions with me. And by the way, she gave me permission to use a name. And we both we both promote each other as well. So that's why I would normally wouldn't say who, who I'm coaching, right? But uh, So that would be my suggestions is like trade whatever you're skilled at coaching, uh, trade for someone else. So basically you're coaching each other and uh, you're both benefiting without paying each other. And another big thing I want to say here is uh, mastermind groups. Um, I've been I've either led them or been in them for the last uh, four or five years, and that's really been good as well uh, by doing hot seats and having that uh, weekly group accountability as well. So I'm super passionate about this area of uh, mentoring, coaching, and masterminding, as you can tell.
1: Absolutely, no mastermind. Both of those things are super important. I think you know, it's important too to get experience from people who who've been there. I mean, it's like any you know if you look at any sport, what do you have? You always have a coach. You know, when it talks when people in business for some reason a lot of people especially starting out you know they feel like they might not need it um but definitely the people who seem to excel apart from the odd snowflakes and um, most have a coach and are you know the right coach for that time like you're saying too you know maybe you need a coach for public speaking at one point maybe you want a coach for social media at a different point i mean you're always growing and evolving and you know these people are there to help you they've, they've either done it themselves or they're actively involved in it and Mastermind groups are very powerful, especially for accountability. Uh, I've been in them myself. I'm not in one right at the minute, but I have been in a number of them over the years and they definitely are uh, beneficial any issues with them and they're good to have that accountability across the team Mm. have those people that you show up for too and in a lot of ways you don't want to let them down (laughs) you kind of become like oh if i don't do that thing they're gonna be i have to tell all the all those people on that call i didn't do it what's my excuse (laughs) you know it's like you start you you know you you throw your excuses out the window you know um so that's it look Solid. Thanks for that. And um, when it comes to all these different things that you have going on, you know, with the multiple businesses, you you don't just have one website, you have a number of different service offerings and and revenue streams. Would you have some specific tools that, you know, help you to run the business or that you would use on the regular that you just feel like you you can't live without? I understand you may have a lot of different ones, but is there a couple that maybe stick to the forefront of your mind?
0: Yeah, there's one that sticks to my uh, mind right away. Um, So I, um, you know, like we have a different ways to record a podcast, like, for example, currently using Zencaster. um, Of course, people can use Skype, people can use Zoom, people you can use Google Hangouts, and there's a few different ways. So I've been using um, Zoom. And I found like, uh, when I'm recording these interviews, I was doing too much work. I was like, Recording my interviews, then I was downloading to my desktop, then I was uploading to YouTube, and then I would send the YouTube link to my team and then they would do the rest. But still, those steps were taking too long. Like, I was like downloading, I had to wait for the uploading, I had to wait for good internet when I'm traveling to have enough bandwidth to upload quickly. So, what I ended up doing is like um, on Zoom, there's a free version, there's also a paid version. And the paid version is quite cool because you can actually live stream. Directly when you're doing the interview onto YouTube or onto Facebook, so what I've started doing is um I got the paid version and i didn't have to i didn't trade for this one by the way I, I am paying monthly for it uh, <laughs> Zoom, if you're listening, we're talking about you, so you might want to sponsor us. But anyway, uh, Zoom, um, you know, shout out to them. You know, I'm not getting paid to talk about them. But basically Zoom um, is brilliant because what they did is they solved my problem because I was taking too much time to download, upload, and uh, um, wait. So I didn't want to invest my time in that process. So what ended up happening is I, I now, I live stream my interviews, as you'll see when we do our interview, onto YouTube directly. Um, so as we're talking, as we're doing an interview, people can watch in real time on YouTube or, or in, and Facebook. And then I don't have to do any of the downloading, uploading later because it's already sitting there on YouTube waiting for my team to do their magic. So I'm a huge advocate of not just the free version of Zoom, but doing this paid webinar version. And for those of you who are wanting to get into webinars, they have a great webinar system as well. And uh, just the ability to live stream with multiple people simultaneously uh, is amazing. So, yeah, that's one of the tools I can think of right away, uh, which I would recommend to the people listening.
1: You scare me with your live live YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, everything, everything I would do is normally. Oh well, look. To be fair, it's not heavily edited. I mean, we take timestamps and it can be Wi-Fi issues. We upload that file, but I hear what you're saying. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of background work that goes into you know all of these things, and and if you have a tool that can just help improve that efficiency and reduce the time um to, to do the desired task or whatever it is, then for sure, um, it's worth the money, you know. Um, what about with regards to project management? Do you use anything yourself to, to manage all of the teams and all the people? Is there a tool or an app that you feel helps you to stay connected with all of the people in your team or do you just work with the project manager? Let's.
0: Yeah, I am only working with the project manager and we are buddies on Facebook. So we Facebook each other back and forth. And of course, sometimes when it comes to attachments or bigger files, we'll email. I have used things like Trello or uh, Slack, uh, but I find... Um, I'm not good at that, so therefore I don't do it. Um, I, I mean, I tr- I did try it, and I, it wasn't it wasn't working for me. Just in terms of the way my mind thinks, I like just messaging someone on Facebook. So I, again, I didn't want to spend all this time with another. A tool or another app which actually might save time but i just felt like i'm already an email and facebook messenger my project uh, manager is good at his job of managing his outsourcing team so i just message him i'm like hey i need this and this and done and then uh, you know make it happen and he makes it happen and then i don't have to worry about another tool so this is just me personally i know other people who use trello and um, slack and asana and all these other softwares and it's brilliant and when i was in event production actually uh uh, I was using Trello quite a bit in terms of running conferences and I like it. Um, it just, when I was doing Trello, it just, um, I struggled with it in terms of I sh- don't think like a project manager. I think as a visionary um, and like a, a leader more than as a project manager. So I don't think I have the skill set to do Trello, Asana or project management effectively. Uh, and again, I don't want to learn the skill set of, of doing it. So therefore I just delegate it to someone who is good at that.
1: No, fair enough. I mean, I struggle with it too sometimes, but I feel that if I don't maintain it, things can get a little, you know, so I feel, uh, but look, whatever works for you, I guess that's what's important. And um, yeah, so when it comes to being a digital nomad and, you know, when you're working and traveling, do you have a, a favorite city that you like to work in and that you feel like has been very productive and beneficial to where you were, maybe with the local community on top of cafes?
0: You know, of course you got your big digital nomad hotspots like Bali, Chiang Mai, Medellin. For me, I really like uh, Cape Town, South Africa. Um, I don't look at it just as like having the digital nomads around. I also look at other variables, like for example, Cape Town, South Africa, it's just aesthetically beautiful. Uh, It's a low cost of living. Um, it, It was an area I hadn't explored much. So I like Cape Town, South Africa. I like Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I like Sydney, Australia. For other reasons, just besides the digital nomad variable, um, so the di- in terms of the digital nomad communities, uh, it is, uh, it's actually strategic to be in those places like Medellin and uh, Bali and Chiang Mai because of the loneliness factor. A lot of the times, and we didn't really talk about struggles, but a lot of the times as a digital nomad, you're going to struggle with Wi-Fi, with loneliness, with financial stability, with... Travel burnout with homesickness with loneliness etc. So if you're in a digital nomad hotspot, you're usually going to have stronger internet. You'll have other digital nomads to connect with and uh, trade ideas with. Maybe do the bartering what we talked about, um, and you won't feel the sense of homesickness as much. And of course, the, these parts of the world are quite quite cheap. Like, is cheap, Bali's cheap, and Chiang Mai is cheap. So, those three cities are digital nomad hotspots for a reason. But I would also add, like, you know, Sydney's beautiful, Cape Town's beautiful, and Rio's beautiful. So, I love going to the less digital nomad hotspots too, just because of other reasons. Like, I haven't visited the, there yet.
1: I mean, I lived in Chiang Mai for, I mean, I met. The number of people who I met there, I think a lot of that, like you're saying, it's it's around the people that you meet when you're there, and you know you meet some interesting people, and you learn a lot from them, and you know you go. The communities tend to be quite welcoming too, you know, where people go for meals together, they go for coffees together, and um, you know maybe people work out of the same co-working spaces, and it's um it creates a great vibe and and it gives you like you're saying if you're on your own and you're traveling, you spend most of your day in your computer or whatever, then you know it's good to have those sort of communities, um there to interact with some humans (laughs) because we tend to work on computers a lot so it's uh, it's definitely beneficial um fiverr upwork
0: oh yeah um sorry i didn't know if you wanted me to uh, do a longer answer but basically is uh i I like fiverr uh just because the 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 name is fiverr so usually the stuff is for around the five dollar mark
1: what's the last book you read um are you into reading books business and personal development books
0: Absolutely. Um, So one of my favorite books of all time with business is Start With Why. It's by Simon Sinek. And I love the whole concept of start with why. For those of you listeners who don't know, it's basically like with anything in life, whether it's life, relationships, business, travel, don't start with what you want to do, where you want to go, how you want to do it, but start with why. So why do you want to travel the world? Why do you want to be a digital nomad? Why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Why do you want to write a book? Why do you want to be a coach? answer that question. And from that question being answered, then start developing the the products and services, then start uh, figuring out the implementation and the application and the practical steps. But start with why. Simon Sinek actually has a great TEDx uh, talk as well. It's one of the five most TEDx talks um, that have been viewed in history. So uh, either watch the YouTube version, uh, tedx uh simon Sinek. start with y or grab a copy of the book either digitally or print and uh yeah that's an amazing book uh to help you grow your business
1: thanks i haven't i haven't read that myself or seen that ted talk so i'll link them up in the show notes and, and people can uh, follow through and click so it'll be digital nomad cafe forward slash episode seven that's the number seven um cool and you know do you have a favorite podcast yourself i know you love podcasting
0: it's so hard to pick a favorite country or favorite podcast or favorite child. <laughs> you know, I have like three kids. I can't pick a favorite. Uh, I have like, uh, I've been to 81 countries now on six continents. It's so hard to pick a favorite. Uh, a podcast, I have like, uh, I think I have about 20 of them, including yours. I've actually subscribed to yours as well. Um, so I have 20 different favorites because that's why I've subscribed to them and I download them. But one of the ones that have really helped me, I want to give, out to, uh, give a shout out to my buddy, uh, Travis Sherry from Extra Pack of Peanuts. Uh, When I was back in Vancouver and we were considering this whole uh, location-independent travel lifestyle, I listened to Travis Sherry uh, from Extra Pack of Peanuts religiously, and I would uh, put it in the car. I'd be listening in the bedroom. I'd be li- just listening it whenever I was doing whatever I was doing. And it really helped me get into the mindset that I was going to be a full time world traveler. So I highly recommend uh, people just connect with podcasts like yours, uh, podcasts like mine, uh, you know, Travis and Jason from Zero to Travel. Um, there's also family based ones, like there's the Family Adventure podcast, uh, there's Nomad Together. Um, so, and I really look at it like we're all doing similar things, but we're all supporting each other. So, I, you know, it's, it's cool what we're doing, for example, like Adam, I'm being on Adam's show. Adam's going to be on my show. Uh, so just the medium of podcasting is a great way to get educated without having to, you know, sit at a computer and watch a video. You can be on the go and still get an education through the power of your earbuds into your ears, into your mind, and ultimately to take action. So those are some of my favorites. That's
1: awesome. Can I just hit on, because i seen something interesting. I was going through your social media yesterday, of course, you know, creeping on you before you became a guest. <laughs> and, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, I've, I've seen a very interesting uh, post on your Facebook and it was around, uh, you know, there's 260 million blogs out there. There's about a quarter million podcasts on iTunes and only half of those are active as in uploaded an episode in the last three months. So, I mean, if people are out there and they're, they're, they're bloggers, let's say you know, and they're listening, and maybe they have a blog. Could be a travel blog, could be a you know a business blog, could be what you know whatever their blog is about. How powerful do you feel that you know, as somebody who has extensive experience in podcasting, like I, my show is still fairly new. Uh, you know, I mean, again, a couple of hundred downloads every episode, but like it's still relatively new. I understand it's a long ball play. But at the same time, somebody who has 500 episodes, you know, hours, thousands of hours of listens and downloads. But, you know, how powerful do you feel that podcasting is versus your own text blog in today's day and age?
0: Well, I can't make that comparison because I have both. (laughs) I have daddyblogger.com, which I'm actually more famous for. Then I got digital nomad mastery, which I don't think I've achieved the level of fame through podcasting. So you got to look at it, not just as like podcasting versus blogging versus social media versus YouTube. I really feel like uh, we talked about this already, the omni-channel marketing, and I really feel at the end of the day it's not the medium that's the most important thing. It's actually the branding. Um, So I teach a system It's called Make Market Monetize. Uh, Whether it's uh, Make Market Monetize your podcast, Make Market Monetize your blog, Make Market Monetize your book. Basically, you got to start with the making first. So the reason I feel that daddyblogger.com has been more successful than maybe some of the other stuff I've done is just because I had a I had and still have a super strong brand. It's two words. It's highly effective, highly memorable. There's good branding around that, so people are like, okay, DaddyBlogger.com. I get what it's about, right? So with the podcast, um, I didn't have immediate success. Um, it took me longer time. I'm not sure if it was the branding, um, if it was like, um, if it was my own passion for it, or if it was like just maybe the timing wasn't right in terms of the marketplace. The audience for dads is obviously a lot bigger. There's a lot more dads than there are digital nomads. So you got to look at other variables. So the answer to your question, like podcasting versus blogging, isn't as easy to answer as a, like either or. I do believe you need to do both because I just want to say this with podcasting podcasts and YouTube videos don't get ranked by Google directly just for the video and audio content alone. They do like, for example, YouTube videos get ranked uh, on Google because Google owns YouTube, but it's usually to do with the description, the titles, the the tags, not just on the video content alone. It's not like the spiders are watching all these videos and they're uh, ranking it. Right. So it's really important from an SEO perspective to also have uh, written content because Google still is ranking um, things like blogs, websites higher than podcasts. So, when you, uh, I mean, generally, this is a general r- rule, like I don't want to say it's like gospel truth here. But when you go to like Google, when you search for something, usually what's going to come up is a website or a blog or a video. Podcasting hasn't been as highly favorable on Google yet. That doesn't mean it's not going to change, right? So podcasting, unless you have really solid um, show notes. And like a blog post for each uh, episode, I, I do feel it will be harder to be more successful as a podcaster. So um, I do. But but again, having recorded 500 podcast episodes, I'm super passionate about it. I do believe it's, uh, it's going to be a trend uh, in terms of the internet marketing space. People are switching from things like blogging or social media to more things like podcasting and YouTube, just because a lot of people love consuming video and audio content. Uh, but I don't believe that blogging is dead, quote unquote. I do believe you can um, do both and especially blogging for the sake of SEO and uh, the no like and trust factor, the KLT factor. It's, it's so important. And there's going to be some people that like reading and, of course, for Google ranking also. So it's such a hard uh, you know, kind of question to answer without you know, kind of going to those other variables I mentioned. But uh, I do believe do as many as possible, blogging, social media, podcasting and YouTube marketing.
1: Take the omni-channel approach, and you're giving, you know, each individual their you know uh, their their own preferred method of consuming. It. You know, it's not like as you said, everybody's different. Some people watch videos, some listen to podcasts, some read text. It's just you're giving them the preferred medium in which they can consume your content, which will allow your your business and your brand to grow faster than if you just do one versus them.
0: Exactly. Yes, that is exactly what I what I believe. Yes, totally.
1: <clears throat> to close up, so. You know, would you have any tips or advice maybe for those people who are looking to get started? If you're back at square one, if you had you know, no coaching clients, you didn't have any courses, you know, and you, but you wanted to, you know, start either working from home or you wanted to be able to travel and work. What do you feel, you know, what would you have any advice in hindsight, looking back on that to, to where those people are and, um, you know, any tips that you could give them?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I I was really looking for this advice back in Vancouver, and that's why I was listening to, like, uh, you know, Extra Pack of Peanuts and Zero to Travel and Location Indie and uh, Family Adventure Podcast, and Nomad Together and uh, Budget Traveler, the Budget Traveler Podcast. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts, but um, I developed my own uh, four steps to travel the world, and I'll quickly explain it for the sake of your listeners and people wanting to get started with the digital nomad lifestyle. It's the four S's to travel the world. Uh, The first S is to save, the second Second S is to to sell. Uh, The third S is to get uh, sponsorships. Fourth S is to get a salary. So I'll quickly go through that in uh, less than two minutes. (laughs) So saving quite self-explanatory. Put aside a certain amount from your budget, your income towards your travel budget. Cut down on expenses, the latte factor, you know, uh, coffees, dinners, movies out. Uh, Cut back on expenses like um, uh, purchasing the latest tech or gadgets. Uh, selling, you know, you got to make a decision whether you're going to sell the big items like the house, the car, the furniture, the gadgets, the tech, or you're just going to rent it out on things like Airbnb, Airbnb or VRBO or short term or long term rental. Um, and then the sponsorship, like, uh, you know, as a blogger, a podcaster, social media, YouTuber, you can actually start getting sponsorships. Um, you can get sponsored hotels, sightseeing, food, transport. And that will obviously help you with the travel um, budgeting side of things. So getting sponsors is key. Even things like travel hacking, using points and miles uh, through credit cards to uh, get flights across the Pacific Atlantic for like under 100 U.S. A lot of travel hackers can do that quite easily. Um, And then there's the whole area of uh, salary. Uh, So doing things like what what we've been talking about doing things like private coaching, doing online courses, doing Kindle books, doing social media marketing, working remotely for a company, doing website design, graphic design, logo design, even things like teaching English or teaching languages online, um, doing e-commerce, doing fulfillment by Amazon. There's literally a plethora of different options to get a salary online. So that in a nutshell is my four steps to travel the world formula. Again, save, sell, get sponsors and get a salary and you'll be off making your own digital nomad dreams come true. And Adam's going to invite you on his show. I'm going to invite you on my show. And then we're going to help other people. It'll be very much a ripple effect. So hopefully that helps people in terms of very practical, tangible steps to take to travel the world.
1: That's amazing. It's very actionable and tangible. I love it. So where can people find you? Can you give us your call to action where people can find you and, and check out your, um, your websites, your business, your po- your podcast, or yeah, your services?
0: Yeah. RickySheddy.com is my personal brand. And then you got daddyblog.com for those uh, fellow fathers and ma- moms and parents who want to do family travel with their kids. And then people are interested in being a digital nomad, I uh, got Um So anyone, anyway, depending on who you are or what you're interested in. And the one that I'm most famous for is, of course, daddyblog.com. I've been doing that for the longest time as well. So that's been running for like five six years actually uh coming up this december will be six years um so if you check out daddy that actually has the best content in terms of the amount and quality plus it has links to everything i do including uh my social media my podcast my youtube channel and of course like if you're interested in all my online courses all my kindle books everything i do is uh, nicely laid out under daddyblogger.com so there you go and uh, Check it out, and I'd love to connect.
1: Ricky, thank you very much. You're awesome. Thanks for taking the time to come out uh, out of your day in Manila, in the Philippines, to come on this podcast. And I'm sure our guests found this episode both inspiring and informative and actionable. Thank you.
0: Thank you, my friend. And as I say here in the Philippines, slamat, which means thank you in the local language called Tagalog. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to episode seven of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. For all the resources and links mentioned in the show, head over to digitalnomadcafe.com forward slash episode seven. That's the number seven and yeah if you like this episode be sure to check us out subscribe on itunes on spotify you can give us a rating if you liked it and yeah thanks any questions head over to digitalnomadcafe.com and we'll be in touch
0: thank you for listening to the digital nomad cafe podcast head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com